Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Sam. Are you ready? I am so ready. She's got a big old stack of notes. I would say I am alert, not anxious. Okay. Today, for today's podcast, uh, I was a little bit nervous coming into this, like thinking about talking about this topic because it is so, um, gosh, I don't know. It's it's criticized and it's also um, like people who are talking about it are being, um, what's the word? Uh, like causing hysteria? Yeah, well, the, well, not e- like not even them causing hysteria, but they're being accused, sorry, oh. accused of fear-mongering and stuff like that and so I kind of wanted to come on here and do our part because through my research the biggest thing that uh, the World Health Organization is saying is to educate with reliable information so um, what I'm talking about is uh, why we titled this the elephant in the room because it is um, is COVID-19 which is a coronavirus which um, I'm sure everybody knows about something about at least because it's a pandemic which literally means uh, worldwide Um, So I wanted to talk about it and all of the information that I'm going to cite is from directly from the World Health Organization and I do have a little bit from uh, Canada.com I think it is or Canada.org or something like that. So none of it from news outlets Um, and then obviously as Sam and I do we'll put in like our our just like two cents which is obviously um, you have to take it with a grain of salt because it's just opinion and not fact. And as usual I will quote um, Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so before we kind of get started I want to say as well um, even though I'm saying that this is reliable information it's from the World Health Organization it's still up to every one of us to search out and seek out that information ourselves because that's the only way that you can fully rely on the information Um, the World Health Organization put out a virtual conference today actually um, that is where I got most of this information from and Yeah, you can watch it. It's available to you as well. Um, And it's important to note that today is March 13th. And that's important because all of the information that I'm citing today is relevant as of today because this virus is like spreading so rapidly. Um, It's changing every day. Yeah, it's important to note that today is March 13th. And so that is when this information is um, relevant. Let's dive in. Okay. I'm like kind of nervous because I'm like... (laughs) I know you're yeah you really got fucking keynote speaker of this podcast (laughs) so I want to start off by like well I already started off but I want to start off this part by saying that I am not panicked okay because a lot of this is going to be very like serious but that's because we need to be taking it seriously but also not panicking and why I said like alert not anxious I was watching Dr. Mike on YouTube who I really like I like his content I find him to be a reliable source obviously not as reliable as who um and by who I mean World Health Organization the who the The, the who yeah (laughs) um so yeah, he said to be alert and not anxious, which I think he actually might have cited from the World Health Organization, but don't quote me on that. Um, but that's the thing is to remember that like, though this is a pandemic, I like to focus on the why behind things because then it becomes less scary. Mm. And Sam and I even last night were talking about like people being really, really scared about quarantine and stuff like that. And I was saying on one of my Instagram lives, um, when you take away the fear from the word quarantine, I, I'm obviously it's horrific to be quarantined in your home that's like not something that we want to do but when you take away the fear of like hollywood like what hollywood has put forth for like quarantine like things like contagion and stuff like that i told matt that we were gonna do a podcast talking about um coronavirus and he was like just do a podcast talking about quarantine instead or um whatever that shows contagion Contagion. he's like just do a podcast talking about contagion instead yeah okay that i don't think so relevant um the reason that people are being quarantined is to stop the spread of the virus. So if you can go back and think, okay, it's not for any other reason other than to stop the spread of the virus. Yeah, it's, it's preventative more than, like, there are people being quarantined because they currently are, like, have contracted the illness or whatever, but um, most of it is preventative, like what's yeah. happening in Italy and stuff like, like that. Like self-quarantine, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so, um, man, I'm just going to dive in. Go hard. Okay, so I wanted to start off with what a coronavirus is because this virus was labeled at first as coronavirus, but coronaviruses are their own thing. So there's many coronaviruses. This one is specifically COVID-19. It's labeled COVID-19 because it's coronavirus um, 2019. 
isn't it coronavirus disease? Yeah, coronavirus disease, yeah. sorry, yeah. Uh, 2019. Um, so coronaviruses are a large family of viruses that affect animals or humans. Um, and the recent discovered coronavirus causes coronavirus COVID-19. Um, and it was unknown until the outbreak began in December of 2019. Um, about one in five people who catch coronavirus or I should I keep calling it coronavirus because I'm so used to it (laughs) about one in five people who catch COVID-19 need hospital care and something that we're seeing this is not a site from uh who um but something that we're seeing in Canada already is people going to the hospital um this is specifically in Alberta and I had this source from a nurse uh but again reliable information is literally only who (laughs) so or like the CDC or your local like health authorities but um the the nurse that I was talking to in Alberta said that they were seeing um, people coming in suspecting that they had COVID-19 and stuff like that and um, they were just sending them home because the best thing to do was to quarantine them is what they were saying um, and then they would send a nurse to you mm. if you were experiencing these systems uh, these symptoms obviously you, you need to be alerting your public health officials and and anyone you've been in contact with if you have COVID-19 or if you suspect you have COVID-19. But the the big problem that they're seeing is like an oversaturation of people in hospital. So they're not able to care for the people who are in serious respiratory distress and not to mention people who already have things like cancer um, and diabetes. Giving birth was something I didn't even think of. Like there's still babies being born where they need those hospital beds and stuff like that. So um, that was a big thing that I noticed in Canada. And I wanted to point out as well without like coming off a certain way, but that we are at a point of privilege here in Canada currently because we have so few cases. Um, We're very well equipped. We have universal health care. So I don't want to go through this without like recognizing that I am hugely at a point of privilege and that obviously my feelings are going to be biased because I can't I can't experience what I haven't experienced yeah um but I mean so take that with a grain of salt but um anyway so one in five will have to be um hospitalized antibiotics do not work against viruses something that I was reading is people um trying to sell uh things like immune system like uh things that will like boost your immune system and stuff like like that like instagram teas yeah so something that dr mike said again i'm not a doctor um but something that dr mike said was there is no pill (laughs) that will boost your immune system and people who are um, profiting off of this virus by doing things like that coming out with pills like that like should be ashamed of themselves um and dr mike said that the ways that you can help your immune system is to get enough sleep exercise regularly, uh, eat nutritious foods, and like basically everything that we've been taught kind of common sense wise, um, and that taking certain pills and stuff like that won't help your immune system. And uh, also with viruses, there are no antibiotics that help viruses and COVID-19 is a virus. So bacterial infections like like strep throat and stuff like that, those obviously can be helped by things like penicillin, Um, but COVID-19 is a virus, so it can't. Um, But they are working on things like vaccines and stuff like that for the future. But obviously vaccines have to go through like very rigorous testing on like large scales and stuff. And um, there's also, what are those called? Case studies where people are like getting infected with the virus and stuff like that. And they're studying um, them and how they respond to treatment and stuff. So things are being done, but obviously it takes time. Yeah. Um, And Dr. Mike was saying that the earliest that they would see a vaccine for this would be um, mid to late 2021 next year. Yeah. Um, Also, there is no evidence that current medicine can prevent or cure this disease. So um, for prevention, like, there are home remedies that ease symptoms. And I'll tell you what the symptoms of COVID-19 are in a, in a bit. Um, <clears throat> but it's similar to like flu-like symptoms, right? So um, I guess I'll just tell you them now. So <laughs> things like fever, dry cough. Um, some people are experiencing difficulty breathing. Um, what was the other one? I said fever, dry cough, muscle aches and pains. So obviously things that you would normally do to alleviate those kinds of symptoms in yourself, um, you could do to alleviate the symptoms if you got COVID-19. And something that's also being said a lot that we have to be careful of around stigma and stuff is that um, it's, it's very mild in most cases. 
when people are getting this, but there are people who are more vulnerable to the, the disease and the virus. Uh, so that's why we need to be so careful. And that's why we're like quarantining and stuff like that, um, because those lives are just important as the lives of healthy yeah less vulnerable individuals well and i think that's the thing is like i think there are a lot of people misinterpreting them saying like oh it's only killing people that are like immunocompromised or you know um elderly or whatever and it's like that's not (laughs) that's a reason to maybe be less concerned for yourself only but not in terms of like so fuck it (laughs) go get it and and hop on a 30 dollar flight and travel wherever because it's like you're still putting those people at risk and it's the same idea that we have with vaccines you know herd immunity and uh, yeah yeah oh i'll get to that 30 (laughs) dollar flight in a minute here um some other things that i've been seeing online is is a lot of people um saying to wear a mask and Somebody actually said that to me because I was a little bit concerned with going to college, not for myself, but because I have asthma and I have chronic rhinitis, um, I clear my throat a lot, I cough a lot, uh, and it might seem like I have symptoms, right? And so I didn't want to cause anxiety in anybody else who might be too nervous to ask me if I did, or then they're going home thinking that they've been um, uh, like subjected to the illness or something like that. And somebody said, well, why don't you wear a mask just to be like, you know... um, like kind about it or whatever and that's what uh the world health organization is saying is only wear a mask if you are ill with covid19 symptoms so i know that i've had these symptoms for like three or four years um asthma since i was like you know but a child um so when you wear a mask when you aren't experiencing those symptoms and they also said or if you're looking after somebody who may have it or does have it um you're taking those masks away from people who really need it so like frontline healthcare workers um people who actually have the virus people who um are like taking care of other members of their family stuff like that so i think that it's really important to be vigilant and be like prepared but wearing a mask and taking it away from stocks that are already depleted in the hospitals and stuff like that, I think is really irresponsible. And that's a personal opinion. That's not from who, but who did say only do this if A, B, and C. Um, And something else to remind you guys of is that those masks can only be worn once if they're disposable. Mm. So people who are reusing their mask every day and stuff like that, it then would, you know, not be effective. Um, So there's a reason that they use them in hospitals and stuff. And like a lot of those masks you have to be properly fitted for and stuff like that. So um, important to remember. Um, And then the incubation period for COVID-19 can range from one to 14 days. And what an incubation period is, is uh, the time between you're infected to the time that you'll be showing symptoms. So you can show symptoms from day one or up until two weeks. So um, I think that's why it's also important when we'll get into like self-contaminant, sorry, self-quarantine is you might not know that you have it, Mm. which is why they're trying to do this like social distancing um, protocol and stuff. Uh, I shouldn't call it protocol because it's not like... um, put into place in every country but um I think that's why it is important because if you don't know you have it you can't know that you're passing it to other people and vice versa you can't know who's infected so like distancing yourself socially is really important in my opinion yeah um and obviously in the opinion of uh, the world health organization as well because that's what they're saying um another question that obviously people are wondering is like should I worry about it Um, so cases are often mild, like I said, but it's still really, really important to be alert because like we said, we care about all of the vulnerable people. Um, and something else that's interesting is people saying like, which countries are doing well and which countries are doing poorly. And something that, um, was really prevalent in the World Health Organization, um, talk that they had today was that this isn't one country's problem. This isn't one country's like achievement. This is like a, it's, we are one in this the yeah. the common enemy is the virus so looking at other countries and saying like well you guys have higher numbers it's like well they could be testing more they might have more available tests and and rising numbers doesn't necessarily mean that it's spreading quicker it just may mean that there's more testing that day or more reports that day but that the spread could have been throughout time so that's something to note as well so on the who virtual press conference today was dr tedros which is the WHO Director General, Dr. Michael Ryan, who's the Executive Director of WHO Health Emergencies Program, and Dr. Maria Van... um, I really wrote that in a way that I can't pronounce. Not pronounce, but like it looks like chicken scratch. Kirkhoff, maybe? 
All right. Anyway, she's the technical lead of um, the WHO Health Emergencies Program. So um, I'm just going to refer to them as Dr. Tedros, Dr. Michael, and Dr. Maria going forward. So um, Dr. Tedros started off the conference and he kind of like outlined some points and stuff like that. And then they went into a question and answer period. And it was a 43 minute long conference. And I just feel like gosh, if I could be so bold, I don't think that a lot of people would like really get up in the morning and just like watch a conference like that. People won't even read an article. They read article (laughs) titles and that is the, like that's the issue with, um, you know, journalism that isn't done with some like ounce of integrity because people will put these um, titles up that just are, you know, like it's just causing actual panic and it's not accurate information and stuff like that. No one actually goes and it's so rare that people go and read the actual full article. Yeah. And and that is happening in the news a lot. And I'm hearing a lot of misinformation because I've tried to keep myself informed and I don't think that I'm like the pinnacle of information by any means. Um, and if people come to me with like different information that is credible, then I'm like 100 percent like I just add that to my repertoire. Um But that's kind of why I wanted to like go through this specific press conference because it came out today because I don't think people are going to go looking for it. Um, And if people come looking for us, then I'm happy to give them the bullet points in hopefully a little bit more interesting way. Not that that's not interesting to me, but I think that's a select few. Let's give it some pizzazz. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. so Dr. Tedra. Is that how you say his name? That's like the best name I've ever heard in my life. Tedros. Tedros, yeah. I love it. Sorry. So Dr. Tedros um, started it off, and I'm kind of just going to go through basically what he said in his opening like statements, um, and it was about like 12 minutes long, but he was saying that we still need health workers for other health issues, um, so kind of like I was saying about like people who have HIV, cancer, they're having babies and stuff like that. It's important to remember that we still need those health workers for those things, which is why it's so important that we're not like overflowing our hospitals. and going back to it um I'm kind of like jumping all over the place with my opinions but um that's why we need to slow the spread because there's so much criticism about this like social distance and stuff but it's not that it's so deadly like it is deadly to vulnerable people of course but that's not the main concern the main concern is that our hospitals are going to be in my opinion anyway that our hospitals are going to be so overfilled that we can't help so many types of people who need surgeries and who need help from from uh, health organizations and then they can't get them because it's so overrun with really sick people. Well, and I think it's worth noting that even before this outbreak, um, our hospital hospitals were already overrun in some cases. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's already kind of hard to get a hospital bed. It's already hard to have like an extended stay. Well, and keep in mind that we yeah, anyway. have a good healthcare system yeah. and there's this is a world it's a pandemic mm-hmm. so there are countries who are way like you know less less equipped I guess to, yeah. to handle it so um that's really important to remember that there's other people who need these health services um 132,000 cases have been reported to who in 123 countries and 5,000 people have lost their lives um Europe is now being considered the epicenter of the pandemic um, more, there are more cases being reported every day in Europe than in China at their highest point did you see that thing from that French mayor? Um, there, there was like this French mayor that was holding uh, a Smurf um, like convention, basically, where there was like thousands of people dressed up like Smurfs. And the French mayor was like, what are we supposed to do? Stop living? Uh. <laughs> like as if this is like an integral part of like French the French way of life. <laughs> uh, <sighs> See, that's the kind of stuff like I try not to be like biased when I'm giving like actual information, but it's just like I get that it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's not forever. Yeah. Well, it might be if we don't fucking start like that's implementing a- some <laughs> some social distancing. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. So um, Europe is now being considered the epicenter. But again, with stigma, that doesn't mean that they like I just want to reiterate that we are in this as a globe. We're in this together and we need to be sharing resources and information so that we can all be as prepared as possible to deal with this virus. Um, but the World Health Organization has sent 1.5 million tests to 120 countries. So I think that they were outlining this to say like we are doing something um, because I think people can get again, this is a like conjecture, but I think that people can get really um, fed up and think that there's no progress being made. But I think a lot of things like happen behind the scenes that people can't really but also, I mean, just be realistic. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's it's this is uh, 
huge thing taking place that is obviously going to take a little bit of what like a little bit of time to organize and you know have all of these things be implemented Mm -hmm. it's not overnight Mm -hmm. especially being that you know like if you think about like um like the chain of supply there's so many holes in that now that like getting all of these things distributed is like a whole other fucking issue like there's so many there's so much production that is backed up um because of the issue of so many people getting sick so many people like needing to social like be socially distanced and working from home and stuff like that so it is shutting down like a lot of different um supply chains yeah or you know making it harder yeah well and that's something to mention too is that um the problem with communities accepting this social distancing and stuff uh is that it is really really hard because if you can't go to work and you can't telecommunicate how can you live yeah and i think that that's something that needs to be like addressed as well because for us like we work from home so again you know it's it's a lot easier for us and and there are places where um governments are uh giving back by halting like mortgage payments and stuff like that and i think that it would be great to see other countries follow suit so that people can feel a little bit more comfortable with having to quarantine self-quarantine um etc because i i can only imagine and like i've been fucking dirt broke i couldn't take any time off of work yeah right like i would have to put back like one bag of Mr. Noodles like I've been there yeah and I think that it's important in a time like this for governments to really like show up for their people Mm. in that way um again that's my opinion (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh so a big like overarching theme of this press conference was that countries need to take a comprehensive approach so what they mean by that is it's not one thing that is going to stop the spread of this virus you need to be doing a b c and d as much as you can exactly yeah yeah. so he was saying um not just testing not just quarantine not just social distancing do it all right so like he's saying this will this is what's going to save lives is doing all of the above which is why it's so important to kind of like get people on board with what the the health officials are like suggesting um and he was also saying like this depends on your country and um where you are in the world how how at risk you are um how seriously you need to be following these like based on like time limits because with social distancing they're saying like there needs to be a time limit on it for social acceptance of social distancing right so um kind of more like this is again like my interpretation of it is like you know is it still safe for you to go to work yes should you be going to a concert with a hundred thousand people no right like kind of being like more um just like smart about it right like not putting yourself and others at risk when it's not necessary whereas making a living living is pretty making a living (laughs) making a living is pretty necessary (laughs) so uh their official advice is to prepare and be ready so everyone should know the signs and symptoms which i laid out earlier in the podcast Healthcare workers need to know what to do with their patients. Um, Hospitals need to be ready to uh, handle a large influx of patients and then to protect and treat. So uh, find, isolate and test and uh, sorry, and then protect, protect and treat. So find, isolate, treat and oh my God, why can I? It's because I like wrote it so fucking weird. And then secondly, to protect and treat. Uh, So find, isolate, test, and treat to break the chain of transmission. So um, making sure that like we're reporting if we are feeling symptoms and then isolating ourselves. And again, with the social distancing, I know I'm a fucking broken record, but doing that when it's possible so that you don't become a carrier yourself. Um, And then testing if it's available to you in your community um, or your country um, so that they can find the link between who might be a next like carrier Mm. of it because then they can start to quarantine them before it becomes an issue right um uh yeah to break the train of transmission um three is to reduce the transmission so quarantine the sick uh again fucking with the social distancing um even if you can't stop the transmission you can slow it down and that's the thing and i was reading somewhere else this isn't from the world health organization but i was reading that um uh, with influenza, so the, like the common flu, for every one person, another person gets sick. And with COVID-19, for every one person sick, another 3.5 people get sick, which is why um, it's spreading so quickly. And they're saying, sure, there's other diseases and other viruses that are more deadly, but 
this one is so <laughs> transmittable because we have no immunity to it. That's what the issue is. And then our hospitals are becoming overrun and stuff like that. So um, that's my thoughts on that. Uh, actually, I was looking up um, how COVID-19 compares to past epi- epidemics. Okay, so 132,000 cases as of this morning for COVID-19 and the deaths are at 5,000. SARS, there was 8,437 cases and 813 deaths. And then MERS, there was 2,499 cases and 861 deaths. So this is like substantially larger. Right. If you look at that a different way, um, obviously the spread is a lot greater. But if you compare in a percentage percentage based way, um, the deaths would be more in those other diseases, no? Because if you take 132,000 people infected and 5,000 fatalities... It doesn't actually say the mortality rate for um, COVID specifically. Mm. Um, for MERS, the mortality rate was 34.45%. For SARS, it was 9.63%. Right. And I have read that the mortality rate for COVID-19 is what, 3.4%? Don't quote me on yeah. that. I'm pretty sure that it's... I know that it's 3-something percent. I think the... Um, Overall. So with the COVID-19 thing, it surpassed SARS cases in 53 days. And I think that that's the biggest thing is that it's not as... Um, I think that that's the concern as to why, because it's spreading so unbelievably quick um, in such a huge way that, you know, I think that that's kind of the concern is that overall it can end up being so much more of a killer. Right. Um, It took MERS a year to infect 203 people. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, no kidding. And it took took almost eight months for 8,000 SARS cases to be confirmed. See, and this is like, again, where I get a little bit scared because it is such a sensitive topic and stuff like that. But if I can just interject my opinion a little at first, this is like from my this is my story of what kind of the the story of COVID-19 was, was people started taking it way, way, way too seriously in Canada. And they were like, this is what they thought anyway. They were taking it too seriously. They were hoarding all of this stuff. And then it became a thing where people were like, this is ridiculous. It's fear mongering and all of this stuff. And now we're at a point where I think it's like almost impossible to ignore the facts. But now we're still trying to deal with the the outcome of people being like so on one side of it or the other that this is not an issue and you guys are ridiculous or this is the worst thing to happen ever. Yeah. And so I think that we need to kind of like come back down and be like, okay, this is a thing that's very serious, but we also don't need to be panicking and um, creating shortages in stuff. Like the, like I can't, I I can't not bring it up. The toilet paper thing (laughs) and the water bottle thing. The water's the weirdest to me. We were talking about this last night, but the water's the weirdest to me because like I, as as far as I'm aware, there's no um, threat of like, water shortage so I'm not sure why that's a thing in in western yeah so in like uh Canada and the U.S. and stuff um the toilet paper makes more sense to me but I also was kind of thinking about it like while I was looking all of this up and I I think that it's so different for us like being Canadian like you said having that privilege of like knowing we have healthcare and stuff like that like generally speaking um especially being that we're not minorities you know pretty much my whole life anything that's happened I'm like well, we'll probably be fine because, right. you know, whatever, like we're going to be taken care of. Um, whereas in the States, I think I can understand that kind of um, mentality a little bit more where people are panicking and trying to, you know, stock up and, and all of that. Because like, I think that generally speaking, they don't feel as protected. They don't mm. feel as cared for. They don't feel like their government's going to, you know, cape for them in those ways. And, and you know, when we're seeing all these things like Italy canceling mortgages for the time being and all that kind of stuff, everyone's from America is looking at that being like, well, that's never going to happen here. Right. You know, and, and we're not going to be reimbursed for the fact that we can't go to work if that ends up happening. And, you know, I, I think that it is just a lot more of a kind of like free for all. You're the only person that's definitely going to take care of you mentality. Right. And so in that, like, I can kind of see where where that mentality comes from. Yeah. I can try and like understand that for sure. The only thing that I feel is... I think that preparedness is really important. But I mean, I've seen videos even in Vancouver of people loading their shopping carts yeah. with like Costco upon Costco upon Costco size of toilet paper. And it's like, take what you need. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like being selfish is not going to help anybody. And 
and your life is not more important than another yeah i just i I cannot stop anytime we talk about the toilet paper thing i can't stop thinking about that tweet somebody tweeted and they were like i genuinely need toilet paper (laughs) (laughs) but i don't want to seem like a like like i'm preparing for like a doomsdayer (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's the thing so just being like kind and and realistic I think is a really important approach but also making sure that you are prepared for yourself as well um and especially for people who actually this is crazy that we even have to like talk about this but like people who might need that toilet paper more than you Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like bigger families and stuff like that or um people with, with certain illnesses that require more toilet paper and stuff and um with water and stuff like that it's like well what were you doing before yeah you know okay Um, The next point that Dr. Tedros made is to innovate and learn. So all countries have uh, lessons to share. So I think that it's important that we take wins from countries who are already experiencing this at such a high, like they're so highly impacted by it um, and take their wins and implement them in our countries. And again, that's just my opinion. But um, I mean, China is already seeing um, they're like changing the tides right places well they're like, they're predominantly recovered yeah yeah so more people are recovered rather than not right yeah now. and um places like south korea and stuff like that um so i think that it's important to not make it a canada only issue a u.s only issue you know we share our wins with every with with each other so that we can innovate and learn and um you know especially being in such a privileged place in canada right now where um you know we're at such low risk right now and we have so many lessons to take from other places that unfortunately were hit so much harder so much quicker yeah i think that it's like it is our responsibility to make sure that this you know that we're taking all of this information and implementing it um the richest man in china hold on let me see where that went mm, oh maybe i didn't keep it anyways the richest man in china um is sending like money and resources to the state oh really yeah wow japan actually um gave where was that i have a stat on that um i think it was 150 million dollars or something to um the world health organization where is it oh here it is to the tragedy response plan they contributed 155 million dollars last week wow yeah anyway that's gonna come later because there is a place where people can donate (laughs) okay um anyway uh so yeah so to innovate and learn um And then basic, basic things that we can do that help immensely. So covering your mouth and your nose when you're coughing. You don't say. Yeah, because this um, virus is predominantly spread through um, like mucus from like your cough and stuff like that. And like, uh, I can't remember what they exactly called it, but that sort of situation. So um, covering your mouth and and your nose with your elbow when you're coughing so that you're uh, eliminating like the spread or lessening the spread of that like those droplets. Spray. The spray. Yeah. Stay home if you're sick. Right. Like that's super important. And I know that that's easier said than done, especially when you rely on your income, your income. Right. But I think that it is really important if if there is a way for you to stay home, to stay home if you're sick, especially for me, like it's even hard for me to be like like I stayed home all day yesterday and even that was like a lot for me mm-hmm. <laughs> and I still work from home so I I like I can't relate but I can like you know understand like fundamentally as a human um how hard it is to like self-quarantine or quarantine especially I know that there were some people who are quarantined for like they were on day 43 when I watched um in Jesus. their homes yeah where they were only allowed to I think leave for like groceries maybe I can't remember um and like obviously medical visits and stuff so I I I can imagine how hard that is but knowing how important all of these things are it's like in the grand scheme of things you know um avoid avoid unnecessary travel and large social gatherings so that was kind of what I wanted to mention about these cheap flights and stuff like that you know it's not just one thing that's going to like slow the spread but unnecessary travel i think is really irresponsible i'm just gonna say it i think it's irresponsible right now and um i know that people that i know have been really affected by a lot of like cancellations or other countries putting um mandatory uh mandatory sorry um like quarantine on incoming travelers and stuff like that so now they can't travel anymore um and i can only imagine how devastating it it is to like lose that money for trips And so I can kind of like understand and empathize with those people a little bit more um, who've already paid for their trips in advance. People who are taking advantage of these cheap (laughs) flights 
and traveling to places where they could potentially be putting themselves at higher risk or others or well that's what I mean because by putting yourself at risk you're putting others at risk Mm -hmm. um and then especially with the incubation stage you might be on the plane and start you know exhibiting symptoms or um yeah like carrying it from your country to another and so I think it's really important to remember like yes travel is beautiful (laughs) I like traveling as well and it's not always affordable and right now it might seem a little bit more affordable but to remember the risk versus reward well and also just um you know keeping in mind the fact that there are um people being quarantined and having to stay in different countries so um you know although uh there are some aspects of travel that are cheap currently like flights and stuff like that you may get there be quarantined and you're on your own in terms of like you know making sure that you have somewhere to stay and you can afford that and all that kind of stuff so you know just also like beyond it being irresponsible which I agree um you know it's it's if if you're trying to capitalize on the fact that there's cheap travel that cheap travel can very quickly turn into something very different if you end up being quarantined in that country yeah exactly and then you're you know obviously away from work that much longer and all that kind of yeah in a country that domino effect yeah yeah um, on top of the risk that you're already put, posing to yourself and yeah, others. Yeah, exactly. Um, health-wise, not even just financially. Um, yeah, avoiding unnecessary uh, local gatherings. So something that I'm doing is I've decided that I'm not going to go back to college next semester. Um, just more so for me because I don't want other people to be like uncomfortable by being around me because not everybody knows that I have asthma and like... When is your next semester? Uh, it's, it starts April 1st. Mm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So anyway, I, cause just because I don't want to like not only put myself at risk, but others as well, you know, I do have grandparents and stuff like that, that I want to keep healthy. And, um, I just, again, like, I think that putting ourselves like I, for me, I can always take those classes later when there isn't a pandemic going on. Yeah. Um, and same thing with like concerts and sporting events. I'm actually like, I know that a lot of people are really upset by it and I feel like, I'm taking a step back and realizing the reward of of these things being shut down instead of being disappointed by it. And I like sports too. I'm not like a huge sports person, but like I like basketball. You know what I mean? Um, Is it disappointing we don't get to have basketball this season? Yeah, of course. But I think it's so important when um, venues like that attract so many people and you're just basically in this like, like, you know, cesspool cesspool (laughs) of potential transmission. And I honestly applaud people um, and organizations and stuff like that for making that assessment and being like this, that the risk is too high. Well, and taking the hit as well, because, you know, it's, if history tells us anything, it's, it's that like, you know, um, profit kind of trumps everything else. So in so many cases, you know, people wouldn't be willing to shut down those kinds of things because it would just mean loss of profit. So they Mm -hmm. just don't care enough kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, let that just go to show like how, um, important it is that we're actually implementing these like you know precautions yeah for sure um so yeah trying to uh keep yourself away from like large social Mm -hmm. gatherings like that um and then comply with the advice of your local and national health authorities so that was kind of what they were talking about with um uh like community acceptance because there's a lot of like uh community pushback in different places um where they're asking like why 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 and I think that it's important to ask why because I'm a very curious person but being able to like accept the answer of why and the answer of why really is to slow transmission of the illness and some countries are putting blanket travel bans and some people might think that that's really extreme but if that's what your country is doing that's what your country's doing and I think that it's important that you know like they've made like this risk assessment and there's a reason why they're doing this. And as long as they're like following the comprehensive program of like all of the things that I listed, yeah, they've decided that that's one uh, other aspect that is important to keep the public safe. Um, and you don't have to like it, but I think that it's important to know that there was a reason behind it. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, things do like, again, like things have to get to a pretty you know specific and like serious point for these kinds of like organizations and um governments to implement things like that mm-hmm. it, they aren't taken lightly obviously like yeah. it's not something they're like yeah, yeah it's for shits and gigs you know well and <laughs> like well that's the thing when you mention like um profit i mean tourism is huge in a ton of countries oh my god right yeah. and so for for officials to ban travel i mean take that as like a a sign right yeah um Again, not to panic, but to understand why we need to 
be doing what we can to comply with these things that they're putting in place to try to help us. Well, I think that that's the, that to me is like really the issue is people are kind of like so black and white. Like you said, it's like one end of the spectrum or the other. It's like you're either completely unconcerned or like so concerned that like you're like panic, panic, panic. But it's like it does really need to almost be right in the middle where it's like you understand how serious it is. So you're taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, also not saying it's everything's fine because yeah. I'm not likely to die. It's like, you know. Right. And, and things like it, it's just it gets out of hand so fast because right now it's fine in Canada. Is it going to be fine next week? We don't know. Is it going to be fine yeah. in a month? Who knows? Like, yeah. Well, and that's what I read on the, the Canada website that I visited um, was that right now we're at low risk, but that that can change basically at any minute. Well, I mean, Trudeau's got it. It's like a whole thing now. Trudeau's wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last thing that he shared on that point was to find and share reliable information, which is why I found like a responsibility kind of to like make this podcast. Um, uh, because all of this information, aside from my opinions, is straight from the World Health Organization. And I think that it's important to ingest that kind of information as opposed to, like you said, um, like articles where really the journalist integrity is like the bars on the floor yeah sort of thing um yeah so do that (laughs) (laughs) the fifth thing that he wanted to mention is that you can give so who is launching the COVID-19 solidarity response fund uh along with the uh UN foundation and Swiss philanthropic philanthropy foundation um and so he was saying that uh until now we were relying on governments um like specific governments for those countries to um help aid their population and now this fund um they can buy masks and gloves and goggles and diagnostic tests and invest in research and development and stuff like that for all over the world and not just every country for itself sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, this is where they mentioned that Japan had contributed $155 million last week to the tragedy response plan because that's what the World Health Organization was relying on before. So now they've made like a specific fund for this virus. Um, and they also mentioned that if it was available um, or you were able to, to donate that you can um, and that other Big companies like Google and Facebook have already contributed, um, which is really great to see as well, because um, I think that it's hard when you already have so little to be asked to give. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you see these bigger companies who, I mean, their their net worth is on the Internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bezos chilling. Yeah. 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 So I think that it's great to see that um, we really are all coming together so that we can purchase these materials and send out these tests and stuff like that. So um, I think that that's really great. Um, if you are able to or you think that it's applicable to you to give, you can go to uh, who.int uh, and look for the orange donate button. That was something that they said in the press briefing. That's not like my agenda. That's um, what they said in the in the press briefing. Um, so we're going to move on now a little bit into the question and answer portion. So I'm going to go through it like a little bit more quickly because I know that that was a lot of information that's probably like <laughs> dee, 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 if you're not interested specifically in this. But again, I think it's important. So the main objective um, is to slow the transmission enough so that the healthcare systems can cope. Okay, so I'm going to go through the questions. Um, I didn't write who asked the questions, but they were from people like um, in the press or uh, from different organizations and stuff like that. But I did write down um, who uh, responded. responded to the questions. So someone said... Um, in terms of the social distancing techniques, there are uh, some critiques as opposed to testing. And that was their question. And I didn't really understand what the question was, um, but th- he managed to answer it from that question. So I think what she was saying is like people are critiquing the social distancing because they would rather get tested, get tested instead of like the social distancing. So Dr. Michael Ryan um, answered and said uh, social distancing is a tried and tested technique um, of slowing epidemic spread. Uh, based on the principle that that you don't know who is infected um, and to quarantine the sick. Uh, So that was kind of like what I said before. Uh, And he did mention as well that quarantining the sick themselves is more cost effective for people because obviously if you're still healthy, you want to be able to like go to work and stuff like that. Um, But he mentioned that in countries where there's not a good handle or not enough understanding on how the disease has been transmitted, so like linked to travelers, etc. This is where they say like, like community spread where they like don't know where it's coming from um, or where there hasn't been uh, enough invested in core public health um, uh, in 
intention. I hate that I wrote things that I can't read. Um, social distancing may be your only option. So basically he's saying like, if you don't know enough about the disease, don't know where it's coming from, um, or don't have testing for it, like social distancing might be your only option and it be, can be like what you can do. Yeah. Um, but that obviously quarantining was, uh, like, uh, more cost effective for people. He also said that it is cost, like, like I said, costly in economic terms uh, and must be used with specific purpose. So time limited. Um, and the specific purpose is of slowing the infection enough to protect the health system. When you say time limited, what do you mean? Kind of like I mentioned prior, like um, going to work might be fun. This is my interpretation of it. Not he didn't um, go further, but my interpretation is like you're able to go to work, but Maybe you're not going to the mall. Maybe you're not going to these like big public events and stuff like that. Maybe you're leaving the house to get groceries, but then you're coming back and, and social distancing yourself and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm getting from it. Um, but like I said, he didn't expand. So the second question, <laughs> uh, someone said, India has blocked uh, travel for all foreign nationals from across the globe. Does the World Health Organization think that their country needed to take this step for its containment? Um, and what I'm assuming from that is that they're like basically saying, do you, does the World Health Organization think that that was like a radical move? Like it was um, not necessary. So Dr. Michael Ryan answered this one as well. He said each country needs to take its own measures to protect its population. Um, and he did mention that blanket travel measures, uh, blanket travel measures in their own right will do nothing to protect an individual state. And that many countries who had travel bans early on still reported cases. So they people were still getting infected. Um, and they may have acted later than they should have because they assumed travel restrictions could protect them. But he also said it's it's very important to have a comprehensive approach. Um, and he compared it to the HIV pandemic. So um, if you know that you have it, then you can um, stop the spread of it. And if you know, you know what I mean? Like if people have it, you can you can protect yourself against it. Um, so instead of just having travel bans, there needs to, it needs to be coupled with everything else. Everything else. Um, he said that there is a rarely justification for blanket tra uh, for like blanket travel bans uh, unless the context and risk defines that. So I'm sure that there are countries I didn't uh, research further on like specific countries, but I'm sure that there are countries where the risk is so great that they needed to put those into place. And I'm not sure about India specifically, um, but he did say as well, uh, moving between zones like limiting your movement between zones of, of certain countries and stuff has proven helpful in, in certain countries. So um, I'm assuming kind of if we go back to like where we first saw the virus in places like Wuhan, um, limiting your travel obviously to that place um, would then li limit the, the spread is what they're thinking. So um, kind of staying out of high risk zones will put yourself at lower risk, yeah. which seems pretty like um self-explanatory yeah yeah uh someone else asked uh in regards to stigma what can we do to reduce stigma in the community and are there any leaders uh that are doing it right so like any countries that are doing it right in that respect good question i know damn <laughs> i know so dr maria took this one for the first half and then i think dr michael yeah answered the second half damn um, dr michael's really fucking bulldozing these uh yeah well and he actually worked in pakistan um dealing with what was it it was polio i mm. believe he was working with them um, polio for like three years so i think that he has like a lot of knowledge on uh this like sort of like transmission of infectious diseases um so Dr. Maria said, educate yourself about what this virus is and where it's circulating. And she put emphasis that no one is at fault for getting infected with this virus. Um, so we need to have countries providing support to other countries. Like I said, people providing support to other people. Um, it's not your fault if you got infected. It doesn't matter where it started. Um, the fact is that this is a global pandemic and to remind yourself to have um, just a, a general sense of morality and to like be kind um to people again i put my opinion there at the end when i put down my paper <laughs> but i i do know that somebody said general sense of morality later on uh from this so um dr michael added to that and said there is stigma and there is exclusion uh we need to protect migrant workers undocumented workers prisoners we must leave no man behind so reminding ourselves that again with morality in 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 sight um no one life is is more important than another yeah. And to remember 
you know, marginalized groups and stuff like that in, in this time. Yeah. Someone was pointing that out in terms of like the um, immigrant detention centers in the States, which are already so um, underfunded. They're not sending them enough resources and stuff like that. Um, and someone was like, wonder what that's going to look like during coronavirus. And it's so true. Like, I just yeah. can't imagine that they're, I mean, they already weren't in good care. And I just, I can't even imagine at this rate. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Tedros also weighed in on this uh conversation saying political leaders religious leaders community leaders have a role to reach and tell their followers to adhere to basic morality that's who said it to adhere to basic morality and respecting others this virus is a common enemy um and again going back to why i think that it was important to make this podcast because i don't think that i'm like necessarily a community leader but i do know that we have like somewhat of a platform to be able to um you know, share this information. And I think that that's really important. And to share this information or information of your own that you find from places like the CDC and the World Health Organization with people around you um, to stop the spread of misinformation, exclusion and stigma as well. Uh, so the next question, somebody said, what does the epidemic, epidemic, for fuck's sake, epidemiological outlook look like in Pakistan? Um, Dr. Michael took this one. He said, it's hard to predict the outlook in any country. Uh, so specifically with Pakistan, they have, um, a great capacity for public health, um, but also great challenges. He had worked with, um, people in Pakistan. Um, oh yeah, I said that polio, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so he was kind of like speaking to that, but he said that there were also great challenges. So, um, so a, a, a very like mobile population, great mega cities and many people who are underserved, um, so I think the main thing to take away is like there's no way to predict what any one country, how they're going to be affected. and Well, and because you could look at one country and say like, well, they have so much resources, they have so much whatever kind of thing, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily implementing those things. Right. So yeah, like it comes down to, like you said, with, um, you know, how we're documenting these cases and stuff like that. It could be because some countries are testing more and whatever. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the next question that's... Uh, was kind of like piggybacking off the last one um, for the answer. But when do you think COVID-19 will peak in the world? Um, and then are there drugs slash vaccines that can help? Um, the answer was doctor from Dr. Maria. She said, we're not able to predict what will happen, um, but we need to prepare. So use again, they kept coming back to the comprehensive approach. All of society, all of government, all of us have a part to play. And we need an aggressive approach to the first cases uh, and that identifying initial reports and stuff like that is really important because that's when we can like um contain it best she said it's impossible to say when this will peak i'm pretty sure i didn't write this down but i'm pretty sure she said hopefully like hopefully it's soon but we can't like speculate or whatever um but she said but there are countries who have turned the tines the tides for example china has seen a decline um but it could peak again so that's something to keep in mind that just because your country is declining in the amount of cases and stuff like that doesn't mean that it couldn't go back yeah reemerge. yeah so it's important to continue these practices um until your health officials say so and let's just quickly say that like we should all be washing our hands anyways yeah you know man i'm still <laughs> seeing people who like are leaving the washroom and not washing their hands yeah gross anyway but in this time so irresponsible yeah honestly um and then Dr. Michael uh, weighed on, in on that, saying that there were therapeutic options, which they will speak more about next week. So that's Ooh. that's really interesting. Cause, Stay tuned. Yeah, because he didn't um, like say anything other than they will speak on it next week. So that's interesting. Um, but he said that there was a, f- a funding gap in investments in like vaccine development, but that the new fund will give to vaccine efforts in um, conjunction with like all the other things that I mentioned, like masks and um, testing kits and stuff like that. Uh, the next question is, what is the biggest lesson the world can learn from the Ebola outbreak in Congo in fighting the epidemic? So relating the outbreak in Congo of Ebola to uh, COVID-19. Um, and Dr. Michael said, you need to react quickly, engage with communities, community acceptance. Uh, he used a lot of C words <laughs> to be coherent, coordinate, be fast. And you must be the first mover and be prepared. So he was saying that perfection is the enemy when it comes to emergency management um, and that speed trumps perfection. And I think what um, he was saying, and this is just me remembering, um, is like with first responders and stuff like that. Like if you're trying to 
be perfect, you might miss your chance. Um, so to do the best with what you have right now and that the speed trumps the perfection of what you're doing. So again, with the comprehensive approach and stuff, he said everyone is making a mis- um, afraid of making a mistake and the greatest error is not to move. So doing nothing is the worst thing right now, mm. basically. Um, somebody asked, who is doing good in Europe regarding containment and mitigating me- measures? And the question they really wanted to ask is who is doing poorly? Um, but I think that that person had asked that last week and they refused to answer. Um, so then he changed it and asked who's doing good. And Dr. Michael said, we're not trying to identify who is doing well or poorly. We share all failures and we share all successes, which I quoted um, a little bit earlier in the podcast as well. Dr. Maria also said, it's important not to punish countries identifying cases if, like I said as well before, if you're testing and taking aggressive measures, the numbers may increase and these numbers are going to continue to increase as we get like more tests out and and more cases are being reported. Um, And then I think this might be the last question. Yeah. We're nearing the end, folks. <laughs> so uh, the last question is, what should be done with airlines and hotels in regards to if you've been diagnosed with COVID-19 to alert that you've been in contact with people? Um, because currently she was saying, the person who asked this question, that there were no things like programs put in place for that. Um, but I'm unsure of what her like origin country is. Uh, Dr. Michael said, you should inform any institution you've been in contact with if you have the virus. So basically going back and remembering who you've been, like if you were traveling, like what hotel you stayed at, what airline you took, restaurants you ate at, stuff like that. Mm. That's me saying that. Um, and again, like if you're in college and stuff like that, alerting your your college and, and university and, um, you know, your job and stuff like that, even if you um, are feeling sick and stuff to make sure to, to let them know. Um, Dr. Maria said there does need to be a process in place to identify contacts of confirmed cases. And in many countries, cities, places, um, there are those processes in place. I'm unsure of what those places are because she didn't say. Um, but if you feel you are, are a contact of the virus, you need to reach out to your local, um, ministry of health or department of health, depending on your location. So, yeah, I think that that's all I have. I feel very well prepared. Do you? Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like I have some info. (laughs) I think the main thing to take away from all of that that I I just viewed at you guys is um, to remember to be prepared and alert and wash your freaking hands. Cough into your sleeve. Just as an all the time measure, just let's wash our hands. Yeah. (laughs) And then if if it's possible for you to socially distance yourself um you know using all of these things to minimize the risk and I kind of just want to again like go back to more so like our opinions and stuff like I said I'm not panicking but I am alert like I'm aware that this is going on and I don't want to be a a transmitter of this I don't want to get sick of course like nobody wants to get sick but um just because I'm a young semi-healthy adult doesn't mean that I have less of a responsibility than anyone else yeah right we are pretty fucking isolated I will say you and I oh yeah yes yeah (laughs) somebody asked me about the gym and I was like that's literally the only time I leave the house yeah (laughs) like I I really uh I don't go out very often (laughs) um so yeah that's about that and I hope that that was like somewhat interesting for you guys and honestly even if it wasn't I still feel better that I shared that like we we shared that information I mean I did I did a lot of sitting (laughs) I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying you don't have to give me the credit. <laughs> I'm fine taking a back seat on that one. <laughs> but I do feel good that we shared like some, you know, like information directly from the source. But like I said, again, it's obviously always up to us to be curious as individuals and to uh, ingest information that we trust. And um, like people are saying, the World Health Organization, the CDC, your local Ministry of Health or your Department of Health, those are your places for reliable information. And um, even like us, even though I did this research, you know, um, you can't, you can't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not part of the World Health Organization. So if you have questions about anything that I said or whatever, like honestly, like take it upon yourself to research those on those websites um, because it is important. And I think that it can also help fear and panic if you're well-informed instead of reading those articles that are just like, you'll get holes in your lungs when they're like relating it to SARS instead of COVID-19. So um, yeah, that's basically all I have to say on that. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, man. I fucking love knowledge. I'm all about that knowledge. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks for doing all that uh, research. No problem. And spreading the 
information. No problem. We'll put links down below because I know you guys told us to do that one time. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll put links down below. <laughs> to who? Yeah. The who. The who, <laughs> specifically. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. All right, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.